one thing that we're going to be thinking about today is a person that many of us here might think has got a great job, a brilliant job, but he comes to think that he's been given the worst job in the world. Have you ever heard the tale of Jonah and the worm? If you read the end of the story, it's actually about a worm, but we're not going to quite get to the end of the story. I'd love just for a while to walk through the story of Jonah together, and then there's going to be some chance to talk about this story uh, on our tables and do some all kinds of craft as well. So if you're able to, you might want to move your chair so you can see the screen. I've got some pictures here that will help us guide us through the story. Now, I also need somebody here today who's going to be really brave and read out a Bible verse for me, okay? So if people can look up two Bible verses... The first one is from Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Can I get someone to wave at me who's going to look that one up? Anyone at all? Yes? Thank you, Helen. Helen's going to look the first one up. And the second verse is Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Is somebody wave at me if they look that one up? Yeah, Andy, fantastic. So keep those. We'll come on to those in just a minute. So I wanted to introduce you to a guy called Jonah. Jonah, at some point in his life, we don't know when, we don't know where, but God started to speak to Jonah in a special way. Now, thankfully, we live in a time when the Holy Spirit can speak to each and every one of us. But back in Israel, if you wanted to know what God thought about something or a decision you needed, you went to a prophet. So Jonah has been given a really important job uh, by God to, to tell people what God is thinking and what God is wanting in a situation. We know before we get to the book of Jonah that there was one time when Jonah was given a special message from God. He's told to go to the king, to King Jeroboam, and to bring a message from God. Now, you think of kings in Israel, you think of big, wise, and powerful, and important people, but Jeroboam was not a good king. For one thing, he didn't just worship God, he worshipped all kinds of other statues and idols and believed all kinds of strange things. He was fabulously wealthy and just never helped the poor people in Israel. There were times when a prophet would go to this king and say to him, the way that you're living isn't right. And if he didn't like the message from God, he would kill the prophet. Now, one day, God says to Jonah, I want you to take a message to Jeroboam. So you can imagine Jonah's thinking, what's this message going to be? And how's the king going to respond to it? But even though the king was evil, God still loved Israel. and said had a plan for the nation. And so he wants um, Jonah to tell the king, go and attack these people who've stolen your land and killed your people, because I'm going to give it back to you. Everything that they've taken, you'll win back in the battle. So the king, who at first was like, oh, not another prophet talking, he thinks, this is a great message. Uh, and so the, um, the king goes off the very next week to attack this big nation that's stolen uh, loads of land from him. So Jonah is thinking, it's great to be a prophet. Because what I've said has, has come true and we've won back land that we've taken. So there's another time in Jonah's life when another message comes to him. Who's got Jonah chapter 1? Thank you. Just the first verse. Thank you very much. One day God's word comes to Jonah. But this time... 
It's not a job like, I want you to go and tell the king some great news. This time it's, it's awful news. God sends Jonah to a place called Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a step too far for Jonah. These were Israel's enemies. They'd attacked Israel. They'd made life very, very difficult for Israel over many, many years. Plus the fact that the king of Nineveh was famous for throwing people off the walls. They didn't like any visitors in Nineveh at all. So Jonah is petrified of going to this place called Nineveh, especially to preach against it. To tell them, God says you can't live like this. That your wickedness has somehow been noticed from heaven. Scary thing to do. And also, because we know this from later in the story, Jonah's got this suspicion. He thinks, if I go and tell the people of Nineveh, God is not happy. God is angry. And they believe it. They might actually get forgiven by God. They might actually repent of this. And Jonah just hated them so much, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want it to happen. So Jonah decides, I'm going to go down to the harbor. We had a yachtsman in our long list earlier on, didn't he? And find a boat. Now, I've got a bit of a planet here. Uh, Has anyone ever been to Israel on their holidays? Hands up. Yeah? Can we just look at them all and say, holy, holy people, (laughs) blessed people. Uh, So Israel is a tiny little place around here. Now, if Jonah was going to go to Nineveh, that's in sort of modern-day Iraq, Iran. Anyone ever been there? No? It's, it's just off to the left. On the world map, it doesn't look that far, but it's quite a journey uh, to get there. And he'd have to go in this direction. Jonah decides he doesn't want to do that. He wants to get on a boat and go not just in the opposite direction, but about three times in the opposite direction to a place called Tarshish, which is at the bottom of Spain. Anybody here been to Spain? Yeah, look at those people and say, wicked people, wicked people. No, 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 no. Spain is not a wicked place. But it was bad because God had said, go this way. And Jonah didn't just go the other way. He went as far in the other direction as he could possibly imagine. Now, let's just pause the story there for a minute. Because as we hear these sort of stories of these giants, these heroes of our faith, these famous stories, we can often think, well, I'd, I'd never do that. You know, that's, a, that's a wild story. That's a crazy scenario. But I wonder if you ever think for just a moment. See, Jesus gives us a message, doesn't he? Jesus tells each of the disciples to go into all the world and to tell everyone about the love of Jesus. Every single person. He actually says, tell every creature on heaven. Now, that's not one thing that one person could do. We all need to do that. So just think for a moment. How many people today have you told about the love of Jesus? How many people maybe this week? Or this month? Or this year? The difficulty is we get so good at not doing it, we don't even notice that we're, we're not doing it. And sometimes we think, well, Jonah does this, but we do it all the time, don't we? We run so far away from what God tells us to do. And this is where Jonah is uh, in this story. So he gets on board this boat. This um, sailor, for some reason, agrees to take a stowaway on board, probably for some sort of financial gain. And they're out on the ocean. And Jonah's thinking, okay, I'm safe now. 
I've left God back in Israel. I'm running away. He'll find someone else to go and do his dirty work for him, and, and I'm safe. And he's sailing out on the ocean. And then suddenly, this storm hits. So the waves start getting big and rocky and wild. And the wind howls against this boat, and the rain pounds against it, and the sailors are absolutely petrified. At one point, they would have shouted something like, all hands on deck, and they go looking for Jonah, who is asleep underneath. Jonah doesn't care about anything, about anyone. He, he's sleeping in the storm, and so they grab him and dragging up on deck. And then they start to realize this is no ordinary storm. Sailors would have been in many, many storms in their lives, but this one was scary. This one was difficult. This one was big. And so they look around to try and work out who has angered the God of the sea. Because in the ancient world, they believed there were different gods for different things. Who's angered? And eventually they come to Jonah and they say, Jonah, what are you running away from? And Jonah tells them the whole story. He says, I'm an Israelite. I worship the Lord of the land and the sea. He sent me somewhere I did not want to go, and I'm running away. The only way you can make this storm, storm stop is to throw me overboard. And the sailors say, no, we can't possibly do that. And so they try and row even harder. They try and escape, but eventually they realize there's only one way we're going to get through this. And so they throw Jonah overboard in a storm, in an absolute storm. Uh, Jonah is, is thrown into the heart of the sea. Now from chapter 2, we know because he kind of describes the experience that he's thrown so far underground. He describes seeing the roots of the mountains. So he's hit the bottom of the ocean here. Literally, he can't go any lower. His body starts to get entangled with seaweed. It starts to actually get around his head and his neck. So he's desperately scared, cries out to God, and God provides an answer. And I'd love to tell you it was a luxury yacht liner that was going to carry him away on a cruise ship of his dreams, but it wasn't. The Bible tells us that the Lord provided a fish. A great fish, a, a huge fish. And this thing comes swimming towards Jonah. And I don't think this, at this point Jonah is thinking, thank you, Lord, for providing a way out. He's petrified, right? You would be, wouldn't you? You would think this is it. Your time is up. I wasn't going to drown. Uh, I was going to get swallowed by something. And this whale, this huge fish, sorry, swallows him whole. I don't know if you've ever been trapped anywhere. But it's not a nice experience, is it? It would have been as dark as you can imagine in there. As sticky, as smelly, as petrifying. There would have been all kinds of other things in this creature's stomach that Jonah had to contend with and, uh, and deal with. But nevertheless, here's Jonah uh, in the belly of a great fish. Uh, I wonder, while he's there, if he starts to think, I'm not dead. I'm still alive. I prayed for God to save me, and it might not be the way I wanted him to do it, but I'm still here. I wonder, while he was there, if he had time to think. 
We know he had time, actually, because he wasn't in there for one day. I mean, that would have been bad enough, wouldn't it? He wasn't in there for two days. He had a bank holiday weekend, (laughs) three days in the belly of a whale. Three days. That's interesting, isn't it? Anyone think of another Bible story where someone is trapped somewhere as good as dead for three days? We'll think about that in in just a moment. So he starts to think and he starts to pray. And we know from chapter 2 that he makes this promise back to God. He says, what I have vowed, what I've promised, I will make good. Now, he must be talking about his vows as a prophet. He's saying, God, if you give me a second chance here, I will do what you've asked me to do. I'm sure while he was there... And his prayer also included, Lord, please can I escape this situation the same way I came into it and not any other options. I'm sure that occurred to him uh, as well. But eventually, the fish spews up Jonah onto a beach. How many people here have seen someone being spewed up from a fish? No. No one ever seen that happen. Not a normal thing. So suddenly now, people in Nineveh are starting to say, You've got to see what happened just down on the beach. There was this great fish that arrived, and somehow a man survived living inside its belly for I don't know how long. Jonah would have been a a figure of kind of interest, especially in Nineveh. One of the interesting things about this story is that Ninevites worshipped a false god that was known as a fish god called Dagon. They also believed it was married to a goddess who was also a fish god. And the local myth was that this fish had spewed up the great city of Nineveh. And that's how their people had originally got there. So when they find out that somebody's just been spewed up on the beach, they're fascinated to meet this guy. So that brings us to Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Somebody was going to look that up for us. Thank you, Andy. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Anybody here really love repeating themselves? Really, because some of you do it quite often. No, but we don't like doing it, do we? Could you please do the washing up? Could you please do that? We don't like repeating ourselves. It means that somebody hasn't listened. Or that somebody hasn't cared. What's God going to do? with a prophet who has ignored his instructions. What's God going to do for me and for you when he says, go this way and we go that way? The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. We have a God of second chances. Praise God, we have a God of second chances. So Jonah dusts himself down and kind of starts walking uh, up the beach towards Nineveh and uh, gets this kind of wild reception there. It's a huge city. It would have taken a couple of days to walk all the way across it. And he starts telling people about his experience and what God has told him to say. And these ancient enemies, this violent, nasty, awful nation, believe him. Start to think, we've got to change. We can't live like this anymore. See, Jonah finds out that the God of Israel 
can speak in Nineveh to a washed-up prophet who's making quite a splash, if you pardon the pun. And this news spreads throughout the city. God, the God of the sea and the land, is speaking to us. The message even reaches the king of Nineveh, someone who was known for anger and violence and hatred. And he believes this message. Now, back in the day, if you wanted to show you were really sorry for something, you'd cover yourself in dust and you'd tear your robes and go around in rags. And that's what the king did. He got out of his palace, sat in the dirt. He even ordered that all the animals of the city had to do the same thing. I don't know if they had dogs in, in Nineveh, but that's what he ordered that they had to do. And so the people of Nineveh find out that even there, there is a God of second chances. I love this story for so many reasons, but one of the reasons I love this story is that Jesus tells us it's not just a story, it's actually a sign. Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah. And he says that just as Jonah was in the belly of the earth for three days, so the Son of Man, which is how he referred to himself, is going to be buried for three days. And then rise again. Now Jesus went there not because he disobeyed God. Not because God told him to share something and he didn't share it. Jesus shared the love of God with everyone. He shared it with people he knew. With people he didn't yet know. With people who liked him. People who didn't like him. People who believed him. People who didn't believe. Jesus shared the love of God with everyone. But he knew that you and I would make mistakes. That we'd know that God wanted us to go in a certain direction or to live a certain way. And we'd get so used to saying no that we wouldn't even notice we weren't doing it. And Jesus knew that we needed somebody to pay the price for all of that wrong. And so Jesus was willing to give his one and only life. So that in him there would be a sign. That there is nowhere too low, there is nowhere too dark, there is no one too far that God can't love, that God can't reach. And if you've never said yes to the second chance that God wants to give each and every one of us, you can do that at any time. Today could be your day. You don't have to be a certain age, you don't have to be a certain person, you don't have to be from a certain place. God can speak to you wherever you are.